Hello and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy. Brendan Weber here, your host. So today, this episode isn't going to be, it's not going to be based on the title, I guess you could say, Contemplating the Self. Uh, It's not going to be about determining if the self is an illusion. It's more about considering what the self, you know, being an illusion might actually mean. So what this what this means is that even if you don't accept kind of this Buddhist idea of Eastern philosophy idea of the the no self, I think it can provide some insight to consider into into your own life. Even if you don't accept it, your own perception of yourself, your values, and you know why you do the things you do. So I uh, hope you enjoy. But as always, check out the the Patreon page uh, for the bonus episode feed, so you can get more content like this, but uh, exclusive to the bonus episode feed and then as always uh, join the discord for further discussion and yeah so let's get right into it today so I'm going to call this kind of an organized rambling episode I've done I've done an episode like this before and kind of received some good feedback and and uh, good reception in that way so I'm going to kind of do something like that again it's where you know the point isn't really me putting forward an argument that I think you know you must hold and you must accept it's more used to get you to to think about things, not not accept my position, or I'm not even really saying what my position is. It's more so considering these questions and considering these thoughts, and then how you want to apply them to yourself. Because that is the you know the the whole spiel of the podcast, right? So, so maybe it falls in the line with some kind of meditative thinking. I don't know. I I don't like saying that because then I make myself sound like some some fake guru, dude. You know. But anyway, the podcast is about getting you to think. So here it goes. I hope I can can help you uh, help you do that. So first, what is the self? You know that, that question gets thrown around a lot lately. It's a difficult question, one that has become kind of very widespread in debate and culture across the world. However, maybe the more important issue is what is personality? And this is the term we're kind of using today. I've kind of pegged this to explain explain what I'm my thoughts here. So well, so the point is. Our minds make up are made up of uh, particular traits and desires. It's an extension of our personality. And maybe if you don't like the word personality, in this case, it's some sort of it's like the biological makeup in our mind and the chemical reaction we have to stimuli that create a kind of our perceptions, right? And that personality, that mind that makes you up, you, or helps you create the perception of you, that is real in some sense. But this doesn't mean our sense of self our personal identity, our values and and ideals, that voice we talk to ourselves with and reason with, it doesn't mean those are real in that same sense of the word. So many have called the self this illusion. I tend to agree. But I'm also having a tough time, you know, making this sweeping statement that it's that it's an illusion. Because even when we accept the illusion, the narrative we create for ourselves, the ego we formulate, the the, the self we create still exists in some in some sense. Not all of us can become, I guess maybe maybe we all can. <laughs> But not all of us want to become like this Buddhist monk just meditating all day, living in pure consciousness and completely letting go of the self and living in a blissful state forever. You know, that's not going to happen for all of us in the near future, right? So kind of pulling a Sam Harris and calling it illusion isn't enough for many people or me. Sam Harris very much creates this an ego for himself to live by. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, good or bad. That just is. And I use Sam Harris just because he's, you know, kind of not saying he's like the best philosopher, but I'm saying that he's kind of 
one of the more well-known public intellectual figures that discuss this idea, so that's why I wanted to name drop him. But, so it makes me wonder, is personality and our sense of self equally real? So this brings me to thinking about how the Buddhist meditators discuss, you know, reaching this blissful state, the state of pure consciousness. I mentioned that before. Whether this state is true or false, although I think there's there's some truth based on the fact many cultures have discussed this experience of pure consciousness. I don't I don't believe this intrinsically tells us anything vital to our understanding of, of reality. Vital meaning, you know, it will, it won't lead us to the meaning of the universe as a whole. However, I do think it tells us that we don't understand the true nature of our reality, and maybe we never will. You know, it helps us come to a a critical feeling of doubt in which this cultivates curiosity. One thing we do know, there's more to the mind than we think. So I think the understanding of the self, not, not being someone, say, a me, like Brendan Weber, it helps us realize the limitations of our perceptions. We have this limited perception of the world because of the limits in our own perceptions. So I find this kind of beneficial beneficial because it makes me more skeptical about the world. So now, now consider this analogy. So take a bowl. Now imagine this bowl in front of you. It's empty. But now we're going to fill it. You're going to fill it with your opinions, your speculations, your experiences, your biases, your envy, your regrets, and all the stuff that you contemplate as you perceive as what you are. This bowl that makes you, you know, you. With all this gathered into your bowl, this creates a particular mindset, a particular state of being that you operate through life with. The consequence of this gathering is the, the formulation of a particular bias that you understand the world through. And this bias goes the other way too. So, you know, it, it's the same way where someone perceives you. They create a bowl for you and they formulate you for you. And it's probably much different than the way you perceive it. They have a bias that they see you through. And you have a bias way, the way you see them through. And I think it's important to at least recognize that bias that we have. So why do we why do we create this immaterial self for for ourselves? You know, I think it's possibly to defy you know the destiny of death, or maybe more accurately, cope with it. Possibly, unlike any other animals, we have this capability to consider and think about the future, our impending doom. So, in a way, our ability to reason, our consciousness provides us this capacity to comprehend our own mortality. So thus, my, my next thought goes to, does, does this understanding of death lead us into creating these, these grand narratives of the gods, religion, and the stories of Greek mythology? It's a symbolic representation of kind of our immaterial selves to, to kind of, I would say, operating as, this, as a sort of coping mechanism for the current state of our inevitable death. So this understanding of death brings me to the thought about religion. A different way to think about religion. Think of it think of it as a as a place that cultures and societies place their values. So like kind of imagine outside of your head this little this little cloud entity thing or something like that. Where it's like this mythical location for our values and we place those values for a society and a religion into this place. And when you place it in this little cloud it almost becomes like immortal. This immortality of these values allows them to live on from generation to generation, becoming part of human knowledge in a way. It's something they use to transcend the self 
and have a belief in progress. This isn't to say that religion is the ideal state. That's not what I'm saying. It's an, or even an ideal state of understanding the universe. I would say far from that. It's to say that religion played an essential role in the progression or the way we pro- progressed as a human species. And I, I don't know if I like the way I, the word progress there. I guess you could say that the way we evolved. Because I think progression means that we're, we're working towards something. And, and that's not necessarily the case in the way evolution works. That's a, that's a topic for another day. But anyway, religion became this, this idea to unite fellow humans to work towards, towards a, a goal for humanity. Sure, we faced obstacles and setbacks that correlate with religious motivation. However, the concept stems from human nature. I would say that our human shortcomings are not because of religion. Instead, it's a fault of the human state of being in our particular circumstances we face. So this understanding of religion might explain this difficulty in in, in, in instilling enough doubt to change the minds of those who ascribe to the grand narratives of religious doctrine. As these myths have been part of humanity's evolutionary core, it has created a systematic ritual in the state of understanding the universe that has helped promote prosperity for the human species. It's been an essential communication tool to, you know, for spreading, you know, sapiens around the world. Thus, when new ideas arise from human comp- consciousness, they must overcome years of this evolutionary knowledge of how to comprehend the world and the utility of that understanding. This is one reason why religion is so difficult for some to overcome or maybe more accurately, the concept of God. It's ingrained into our minds, our culture, our history, in in the creation of ideas. This isn't to say it's right, true, good, or even necessary. It's to say we should recognize how it's part of our past, the influence it plays in the past and currently, and why it is at play. Like, why is it so influential? This way we can better understand ourselves and kind of the narrative we, we create for ourselves. Because I think religion, it's kind of like this extension of a, of, a, of a self or a group of selves. So now take that and analyze yourself and the, and the values you create, kind of like a religion for yourself. That's kind of my overall point in, in bringing that up. So bringing this back to the difference between the self and personality, personality, it's a product of the body. It's your genetic makeup, mostly. Or at least that's that's how I'm defining it here. So I'm willing to change the word personality. I don't know if that's the best word to use. But as for the self, that's a product of the culture you are brought up in. Cultures begin programming the human mind, extending the culture's understanding of the universe into that particular individual within that particular culture. So in turn, spreading the knowledge a culture holds. This creates a cultural identity, tribes, and groups that center themselves around this particular set of ideas. So personality becomes this extension from the natural world. Your personality is more a part of the natural order of things. As for your sense of self, that's a product of the culture you've been brought up in. In a way, it's a it's a different type of consciousness. It's in that all of it becomes this grand myth created by the powerful human mind. Now, some of this rambling, you might be wondering, you know, why is it important? Why, why, why should I give a shit about this? Why should I care? Well, I think we should acknowledge how we formulate our identity. The self we create, the ego we create. So you have your kind of your biological makeup, right? That reacts to the world you place yourself in. This reaction creates the self. So within the self, 
you have this set of values, ideals, ideals, perspectives, experiences, right? I kind of said this. I think we can all accept that fact of the of the self that at least we create, or maybe you think it's set in stone. Now, many want to take these, mostly in the case of ideals and values, and take them as this objective truth that's just grounded in reality. They are, you know, our identity, our self, and they become part of the self. So then it becomes, when we think of them as this objective, objective reality, it becomes an attack on these ideals and values. It becomes an attack on you personally, or at least that's what many perceive it as. So I'm saying maybe we should consider not taking opposition to your values this way. You're trying to oppose certain other people's values and you're in direct opposition. So as a society, we tend to lean towards opposing other values and ideas instead of just criticizing, saying X is wrong because Y is right. Now, this distinction between opposing and criticizing is this. When you, when you oppose something, it tends to mean you have, you have a position you are holding, an interest of your own you are trying to protect from something else. As though you must protect the self's, you know, yourself's justification for beliefs, values, and ideas. So you, it's almost like you create a team for yourself, if the self, it's your team. So I'm proposing that we consider these values we hold so dear as this illusion, an illusion that blocks us from freeing ourselves. It's 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 as though we create a belief system around ourselves as this security blanket. Something to identify ourselves with. Something we try to be certain of. Maybe this is the... I'm trying to think of how to say this. To me, this is like the reaction of death. Our values and ideals become something that lives on. The values we want to protect become an illusion to give us this little sense of immortality of when death does come for us. So the values we then follow become this power structure we decide to live by. We create a prison around ourselves to feel a sense of security. Because think about this. When you face the illusion of your values, your ideals, or maybe even your religion, your mind leaps into this state of uncertainty. It's almost like this state of chaos, not to sound like Jordan Peterson or something here. <laughs> but And when uncertainty arises, suffering is peaking right around the corner. Uncer- when uncertainty comes, suffering comes. And like I said before, these values are influenced by your environment, from society to where you grew up, the family that raised you, the group of friends you associate with. These create the I that you identify with. But the beauty in this is that the I that you create for yourself is changeable. If you don't like the I, you can seek a new environment, a new I, a new way of formulating the I. We also need to consider what you're forming it into and if that's even necessary. But I think this is enough contemplation for one day. I hope I left you with some uh, stuff to consider and some thoughts to consider. And as always, thank you for your support and tuning in. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. So tune in next time. Peace.